Welcome back to the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ for another recorded study. I would like to ask you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms, chapter 32. Psalms, chapter 32. I call your attention to the 32nd Psalm, a Psalm of David, his testimony of what a blessing forgiveness is. What a blessing forgiveness is. Forgiveness or pardon issued by a merciful God upon our penitent confession of sin. This is about God's response to the penitent. The psalm contains strong evidence of a specific incident in the life of King David. I will not go into great detail here because Every Bible reader and student is familiar with the history. David was a great man in many ways, but there was the occasion where he sinned in the affair with Bathsheba, compounded by having her husband killed in battle. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. An advisory here, it is not pleasant reading. But after being confronted by Nathan the prophet, David repented and here wrote about what a great blessing it is to be forgiven by God. Here's what David wrote, Psalms 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. What a powerful statement. Psalms 32. David's testimony of what a blessing it is to be forgiven. And this is here to remind us of God's mercy. We can join with David praising God for his mercy. 
And this challenges us to have a clear view of how terrible sin is. So we're going to study this passage and make applications for us today. The 32nd Psalm. It begins with a beatitude, a statement of blessing. Verse 1, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Have you ever done something wrong, and if not immediately, at some point after the wrong deed, you say to yourself, I wish I could take that back. If I could just turn the clock back and not do that. If I had some mystical super eraser or delete button. But even as we express that regret, we know we cannot go back in time and we have no personal delete button, but God does. David reflects back on his sin, but he is able to frame his transgression in a beatitude, a statement of blessing because his transgression was forgiven. His sin was covered by God. Now, the sinner cannot cover sin on his own. Those guilty of sin may conceive of hundreds of clever ways to ignore sin, rationalize sin, blame others for it, assume that the passing of time will fix it. Sinners may think they can engage in enough good deeds to counteract or remove the bad. Human beings in each of these examples show they are powerless to redeem themselves. David is talking about being forgiven by God upon his penitent confession of his sin. See, power to forgive sin is an act of God. It is a verdict from his throne in heaven, issued according to his will, his conditions. David David writes this beatitude about how great and joyous it is to receive forgiveness from the God he sinned against. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, how did David feel? What was his mood before he was forgiven? As the guilt weighed on him. Look back at our text. Verse 3 and 4. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Has this ever happened to you? You've made this dreadful mistake. You have done something wrong, sinful, and you know it. How do you feel? We all know the mind can be so distressed, the body gets sick. Maybe there is that pain in the pit of your stomach or a weakness that is overwhelming that you feel throughout your body. David said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. This wasn't just an occasional signal from his conscience. No, he said, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. 
My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You have sinned against God. Perhaps like David, you not only sinned, you tried to cover it up. You were silent. You just feel awful. The weight of God's justice crushes against you. You can't work. You can't talk to anyone freely. You are terribly distracted. You have no appetite. The weight of God's justice is something your whole body feels. His communion with God was interrupted, so David was miserable. What did he do? Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The reality of his guilt, punctuated by Nathan's rebuke, with the remaining conscience of the king, godly sorrow led to repentance. Then came God's merciful pardon, as expressed in the opening verses of the psalm. Next, what does David say to people about his experience? Verse 6, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. David, in his role as king and a writer and compiler of scripture, functions here as a teacher. He cites his experience, and then he says, Therefore, here's what everybody needs to do. If you were godly, pray, and don't wait around. Offer prayer at a time when the Lord can be found. Now, that doesn't mean the Lord gets lost. It means we get so far away from him in our sin, we are lost. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. The Bible never recommends that we wait around to fix problems, that we procrastinate. The danger is we move along and our conscience gradually weakens to a point where we are so late in seeking the Lord, we cannot find him. David assumes the role of teacher in this statement. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. In verse 7, David turns to the Lord. You are a hiding place for me, David says to God. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. These associated ideas, hiding, preserve from trouble, being surrounded, deliverance, this is about God's protection of his people. That overwhelmed David. Had he sinned and kept sinning and stayed on a course away from God, he would have walked away from the joy and support of these blessings. He didn't. His sin was followed with penitent confession and a plea for mercy from the highest source, from the one who has the authority to deliver pardon. So, as noted earlier, David now becomes a teacher He has testimony to pass on to his people, verses 8 through 11. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. 
be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So David sinned. God delivered rebuke through the prophet Nathan. David repented and is now not only rejoicing in the joy of forgiveness, he is determined to tell his story, to instruct and teach. When you go through something difficult, there is often an almost immediate impulse to share your story, to teach and help others. Iron sharpens iron. I see that in David. He is saying to all sinners, here's what you need to do, the way you should go. Don't be like a stubborn horse or mule without understanding. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So this became David's sermon. The lessons we need to learn from this are quite obvious, I think. May I enumerate three? One, this reminds us and challenges us to remember and be aware of how terrible sin is. I tell you, the devil wants us to take sin lightly, to brush it off, to offer some quick excuse. Passages like this and the whole narrative about David's sin challenges us to remember and be aware of how terrible sin is. I'm reminded of the occasion in Acts chapter 8 where Peter was rebuking Simon, and he said this in Acts 8.23, I see that you were in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. That speaks to how horrible sin is. And also from David in Psalms 51, David said, likely about the same sin referred to in Psalm 32, he said to God, against you have I sinned and done evil in your sight. Now there may be earthly consequences. You may by your sin really hurt people and bring trouble into your family or church, but fundamentally here is what is so bad about sin. It is against God. I need to hate sin resist temptation, pray for strength, study my Bible, and here's the next lesson. When we sin, penitent confession should never be delayed or postponed. The attitude, I'll deal with this later, no good. I'll wait for a convenient time, no. When we sin, Penitent confession should never be delayed or postponed. Would you listen, please, in the New Testament, 1 John 1, verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. 1 John 1, 5, over into chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
and the blood, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What we must urgently consider is if God offers to forgive us, why would there be any delay on our part? So review your life, and I should review mine. And whatever is offensive to the Word of God, that the Word of God identifies is offensive to God in that review I do of myself and you yourself, we need to confess those sins promptly, believing what John states here as absolute truth. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we sin, penitent confession should never be delayed or postponed. I was reading something the other day written by Brother Mark Mayberry, who said, Ten small words would save many a marriage and many a church. I have sinned. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Then this psalm speaks as clearly as any passage the truth of God's grace. God isn't obligated to grant pardon. He isn't obligated by us to grant pardon. He isn't compelled by any force or power to overlook any sin, and his justice is contrary to that. But God so loved the world, his grace is abundant and is formed as an offer to us who sin that we can be forgiven. David said, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's an expression of God's grace. May I take us to Luke chapter 18? Do you remember this? Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, 
be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There is one phrase here that shouldn't be lost on us and ought to be near our lips all the time. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, with all that in mind, I want us to listen again to the 32nd Psalm. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. That's the beauty of being forgiven by God. We need this so that we can write and say what David said. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Now, how does this take us into the New Testament? Jesus died so that we can be forgiven. Thank God for his grace and make your appeal to him through the activity of faith in Christ. But remember, don't delay. Satan likes nothing better than for us to sin and keep sinning without turning back to God. Thank you for listening.